welcome to the Safety Doc Podcast with your charismatic host and prominent safety expert, Dr. David Perotin. Be entertained and informed as the Safety Doc discusses both best and bizarre practices in safety preparation and crisis response. The truth will keep you safe. Follow Dr. Perotin on Twitter at SafetyPhD. Hi, everybody. This is David, the Safety Doc, and welcome to the Safety Doc Podcast. A thank you to the 405 Media out of Los Angeles, California, for carrying the Safety Doc show seven days a week, 2 p.m. PST. Please tune in to the Safety Doc Podcast out of the 405 Media, Los Angeles, California. Today, we are going to learn about the Cajun Navy from Katie Pishan. And guess what? Um, you know, the safety doc, I've, I've, I live safety. I've, I've done safety. And I wasn't aware of the Cajun Navy until um, Hurricane Harvey hit. And then um, people were contacting me um, asking for connections as far as how can I volunteer my services? Um, I have a commercial drone. And by the way, I'm part of the Cajun Navy. And I, I, I did a little bit more research, discovered this outstanding organization that exists. It's a grassroots organization. Um, now, when you first hear it, maybe, you know, you have the reaction that I did. I was thinking Cajun Navy, this is going to be a handful of people who are going to get together and pick up trucks and, and go and help out. And oh my goodness, um, it is nothing like that. It is so much more organized and, and the dedication and depth. And what's really striking me, and I'm, I'm going to talk a, a little bit here in the intro about it, is that we are now three weeks post Hurricane Harvey. And and right now, the the Cajun Navy is still very much hard at work. So the media moves on, you know, the, after a few days moves on, we have Hurricane Irma, then, then Maria, and then other things in the news, but, and, and organizations move on, they scale up, they scale down, but the Cajun Navy <laughs> is doing so much of, of the work of helping people get their lives back together, like ripping out drywall, rotted drywall, helping people, you know, cook meals and, and, and just get life kind of back to, back to where it should be and and that's katie and hopefully uh you don't have a uh, black lung from tearing out some drywall katie so because i did see a couple pictures of you doing that uh and i know that's really risky stuff but let, let me do an intro and then I'm, I'm gonna bring katie um katie on board here and so you know when we think of rescuers our, our thoughts default to police fire and, and ems you know however another group a much less formal group has been significantly involved in natural disaster rescue efforts across the southern United States, primarily Louisiana, Texas, and Florida, not exclusively though, for the past decade. That organization is referred to as the Cajun Navy and refers to ad hoc volunteer groups comprising private boat owners who assist in search and rescue efforts, um, I read that um, there was a meteorologist that was part of one um, Cajun Navy dispatch team. Um, I think there's a cat, which is a member of the Cajun Navy. Just made an appearance for those of you watching on YouTube. The show is YouTube, plus, of course, Apple Podcasts and syndicated through the radio station and so forth. Uh, so these groups are formed after the aftermath of Hurricane Katrina and reactivated in the aftermath of the, of the 2016 Louisiana floods. Um, and Hurricane Harvey and Irma really brought the Cajun Navy to the forefront. Um, and, you know, we, we learned about the 
Cajun Navy from from the the media uh, covering the um, covering these events. But you know what we learned. You know we saw some images and, and we learned a little bit. But when we talk to Katie, Katie's going to give us the inside perspective because she works with the with the Cajun Navy. So the Cajun Navy works alongside traditional government units such as fire departments and National Guard. Yet the role of the Cajun Navy is not sanctioned by the government, and the function of the Cajun Navy, exactly how it operates, how it dispatches, and how it sustains, remains hazy to those not directly involved with the organization. That's why I wanted to do this today, because I want to kind of, let's take away some of that haze, uh, because this is an outstanding organization. Um, And in fact, though, in fact, get this, okay? So in 2016, last year in Louisiana, a couple of bills started to surface wanting to regulate the Cajun Navy. Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden we have this, this volunteer group giving of their, their time, their own resources, you know, paying out of their pocket gasoline to go into their, mm-hmm. to their boats and, and their, their trucks um, and taking off work, you know, taking, taking time off and doing um, all of these things to, to help out the, the, the goodness um, the core of what it is to be an American and, and just a humanitarian, and suddenly some of these bills surface. You know, we, and, and we'll we'll talk about those in a little bit with Katie. But um, really, surface not because there's anything quote unquote wrong with the Cajun Navy, but more or less wanting to be there as a way to protect uh, municipalities, states against possible um, litigation for sanctioning. <clears throat> Um, some of the, some of these, these rescues, uh, I, I came out publicly, uh, during, uh, Hurricane Harvey and then later during Hurricane Irma, but, but did say, I, I thought that was ludicrous to even suggest, um, any type of, of, um, regulation put on the Cajun Navy. Um, I did, you know, I was a volunteer firefighter, uh, years ago. Um, and, you know, went through, through training and things like that. And, and, and there were some comparisons of, of, you know, similar types of trainings and it's like, oh no, 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 no. I mean, these are people with tacit knowledge and, and come together for very sporadic events. They're very well organized. And actually I would, I would say, and I made this argument, I think much more organized than FEMA because the Cajun Navy (laughs) has already adopted to social media and hashtag rescues. And I did a show about that. Um, and, and the Cajun Navy was right there a step ahead. And actually the people I talked to, who I refer to as agents on the field, but a number of people in Texas, Louisiana, um, that, that inform me and, and help inform the show, uh, were just, um, you know, singing the praises of the Cajun Navy and said, Hey, they, they were ready for, um, interfacing with, with people, um, via social media. And, and that's something that FEMA wasn't ready to do. So the purpose, <laughs> you know, of the safety doc podcast is to remove the rhetoric or the media hype. So we hear the hype about everything I, and, uh, around topics. Um, and, and what I do is, you know, I bring the listeners, I bring you, uh, to the personal accounts of people involved in safety situations. So you can, you can hear for yourself and, you, and then you can make determinations. You know, with that said, I publicly have supported the Cajun Navy, the efforts of the Cajun Navy, and I will publicly oppose any efforts to regulate the Cajun Navy. Um, what we're going to hear about today with Katie and how I will develop this later in a blog post, which will be available um, through safetyphd.com and also through the 405media.com. Um, and I'm actually looking at uh, those of you who have been following the show know I have book contracts with Roman and Littlefield of, of um either making this an exclusive book um, 
regarding the, you know, talking about specifically hashtag rescues and focusing on the Cajun Navy. We're including it in um, Lessons of Lore Manhattan, which will be coming out next year uh, right. because it is it is so significant. So it's an all-hands-on-deck mentality. It makes America strong, capitalizes on the tacit knowledge we all have, the kindness, the grit of those giving of their time and talents and resources. I'm thankful today to have Katie on as a guest. Katie, people have heard enough about me. They don't want to hear about this guy anymore. This guy didn't do anything except sit behind his uh, computer and, and kind of um, try to get people connected to resources, actually, which was really hard because people would tell me. They would say, um, I got contacted a lot. I think I, I shared with you, I had like 400,000 yeah. Twitter um, impressions during um, like Harvey, you know, and, and I was getting contacted nonstop through through phone right. and email. And, that. and people were saying that the 911 stuff wasn't working and they didn't know who yeah, to contact. Like yeah. It, it, and and suddenly um, people realized and, and and I kind of, you know, I thought this would happen to go to social media. And the people that were responding on social media that were coming out and, and rescuing people were, um, in, in, in large part, a member, you know, members of, of the Cajun Navy. So, first of all, Katie, thank you so much. Um, and, and I want to share, Katie, Katie's days are amazingly busy because she's <laughs> in the midst of, of giving of her time and resources um, to the Cajun Navy and, and to helping people get back, you know, on their feet and, and some you know, a semblance of, of what is, what is normal again. So Katie, you're a board member of Cajun Navy Relief. Just tell us about yourself, what you do, how you got involved with the Cajun Navy. So, um, I am currently a single mother of two girls. Um, I am in a relationship and this time last year, uh, well, maybe more in the beginning of August. I'd seen a Facebook post about some forklifts needed for the Bushheimer water coming in. Nasty water, but still oh my goodness! Need it. Okay. Um, my little girls, Paran, which down here in Cajun land is Godfather, is with the National Guard. So I was trying to collaborate with the area that the the forklift was needed in him to see if hey he could help assist. That was my extent of wanting to be involved with the Cajun Navy. Okay. Let me get you a forklift. Well, slowly after that, the post I referred to, which was Ryan Romero's purse post, who is Cajun Navy's president and my best friend. Nice. Kind of th- threw me into um, dispatch. And then threw me into supplies. And now um, is throwing me into his right-hand woman. <laughs> Okay. Um, but I simply started off as a response to social media posts on Facebook, and it literally took off overnight into um, to boat rescues. And my first boat rescue, I'll never forget, um, a lady stuck at St. Stephen's Catholic Church called me via Facebook Messenger. And I'm new to this. I've just downloaded this mobile walkie-talkie app, Zello. Yes, I've heard, I know a, I've heard a lot about Zello. Yeah, okay. Which only, by the way, I've just figured out, only has 14 employees. So kudos to Zello for being able to do what they do. Yeah, and they're, for, they're out of Texas. I, I looked. That's Austin, Texas? Yeah, yeah, you bet. Okay. And 14 employees. Wow. 
they had they don't I don't think they realize what they have on their hands. <laughs> so um, I sent a Zello request to hey I need a boat to St. Stephen's Catholic Church. This gentleman and his wife were from Mobile, Alabama. Very good friends of mine now, Greg um, Howell and Kimberly Howell. We excuse me, we have Zello handled names. His it was in the wind. Okay. Them, oh, my apology. Them no, being um, Alabama and us LSU. Okay. She's referred. To, she's referred to as cousin wife. All right. <laughs> so um, that was my first rescue, and to hear the immediate need from a lady saying we're stranded by water, and me, I've got a boater who's okay. Tell me where I need to go. The feeling of making the point of contact and the boots on the ground get to to where they need to be. I can't even explain to you what that, to get that 10 four that the boat has met with the victim. Amazing. So give me again, where was this at? Where, where did um, this happen? Stephen Catholic church, I believe, and I could be wrong. I believe is in Laplace. Okay. So we're talking this was last, Louisiana. Last year in Louisiana during the floods. Okay, so that was right. that was kind of your induction into this. And oh my goodness, so you yes. so you've you've really um, have accomplished uh, a tremendous amount Ooh. in one year in, in the organization. Uh, okay, so two weeks. So this person this person contacts you and and did they say hey Kathy. I tried to call nine one one and it didn't work or what happened? Correct. Okay, and that was that was actually. Um, that was something that happened in Harvey and I, I can tell you all the details on this particular call. Um, I'm hearing my dispatch come back and tell me there's an elderly man and a woman who are now in their truck. Um, they've left their home, but they're across the street in their truck. The gentleman has been without oxygen since eight thirty AM. Oh my goodness. The last phone conversation that they had with family was at five thirty PM. Their cell phones are no longer, you know, operating. They're dead. So this was in Orange, Texas. I called Orange Sheriff's Department, who in then turn puts me in contact with their Acadian. And in a nutshell, the um, I got his name. He, I can't remember it off the top of my head. Oh, but sure, he says sure. to me, I need you to send a boat. Said, That's amazing. Am I, am I being punked here? Right. He and he said, no, no, I cannot get to them. This gentleman, in turn, and we, we handled their situation, got them taken care of. The next day, now I'm not speaking to him over an app on the phone. I'm speaking to him through his dispatch 911 radio. Right. He contacts me via Zello and says, Mr. Pijon, this is so-and-so. I need you to send a boat. I'm with Acadian. And I'm like, look. I really, I don't have time for this. I've got boats in the water. Am I being punked? He said, no, ma'am. I heard you call in last night for blah, blah, blah. And I said, okay, what's the problem? He said, I am again stranded. I've got my bus sitting here. I can see the victims. I need a boat to go get them to bring them to our ambulance. Okay. Wow. So you are now taking on a whole different animal. when You've got Acadian and EMS responders. Yes. Telling you to send a boat. Yeah, that's that's amazing because my research was um, it was mixed. I mean, sometimes 
that municipalities would welcome the Cajun Navy in, and other times they would say, no, we, we don't want you here. But in this case, it sounds like definitely they were saying, hey, like, we know we don't have the capacity to handle this. And that, that was something I saw right away in Houston. I'm kind of analyzing this. I'm like, they can never scale up to, to match this. They're going to have to interface with, with anybody that they, they can. Texas um, was open arms. Wow. All the way to uh, local law, um, you know, FEMA, yeah. which we, we had some trouble with in Louisiana. And I hate to say this, but there's something that we call red tape. And I'm sure you can refer. Yeah. 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 I was contacted. I shared with you. I was contacted by drone operators. I I had just done a show with a commercial drone operator where Mm -hmm. we focused, um, you know, it was was in August, um, early August. We focused on search and rescue. He's a commercial drone operator. So part of the show, we went out and we actually simulated a search and rescue with his high-end drones. It's amazing. Yeah, he he is. He's amazing. I can get you his contact information. Um, And and that show then was showing up in searches by drone operators, commercial drone operators. And there's a difference in that because a a hobbyist, if you just buy one at Costco or something like that, um, you know, there's there's certain things you can do with it. But if you're a drone, a commercial drone operator, you have permissions and and some training, but um, permissions to fly at certain altitudes and and. pay have you know be paid for your services and things like that but um you know we we went through and did this this this, um this production it was a two-part series which which was extremely popular but people are finding this because it was current they were contacting me and they were saying dave can you can you help us because we are commercial drone operators in wherever texas and we want to volunteer in houston but we don't know who to call or we, we we've gotten through to a couple numbers and that was another thing the numbers kept changing that's why um, I, I believe, like the Cajun Navy handled, you know, with Zello, and it's amazing with 14 employees. And we look at, you know, the budget of FEMA plus. Um, I, I do some coordination with um, the company that provides um, instant management for the NFL, for example, which is ex- yeah. they're they're extremely efficient. But you know, thinking of 14, yeah, 14 employees and. Um, but yeah, so they were, they were contacting me and they were saying, Dave, we, we were either getting turned away or people don't even know where to connect us in, but we can come in and do reconnaissance. Um, you know, they obviously drones can't fly during high winds or anything like that, but as soon as it was done, they wanted to volunteer. So I was working with my quote unquote agents in the field to try to get some of them connected up, but largely they were being told no. And I think part of it too, is like, people don't understand the capacity of drones. Right that they can come in and, and, and you can do a longitude and latitude. You you can do surveillance and, and get the, the high definition video. And if you're dispatching somebody, Katie, um, and, and a drone operator can get out there with a drone, they fly 70 miles an hour and, and kind of get an overview and, and say, okay, here's what. Tell me, and tell me that the, the Lumberton bridge is down. Yeah. Yeah. Stuff like that. Oh, I've already sent a boat out there. Yeah. Yeah. So, so the value in, in that, and I, I think what this really revealed in, in, in Harvey, well, and then of course, you know, it, it went into Irma, but, but was that, that FEMA and local rescue, um, don't wasn't, collaborate. Th- w- yeah, they don't, there wasn't interagency or multi-agency collaboration. And also there, they were still operating off of the old communication systems, which, um, was based off of cellular and still getting text messages through cellular and that our 911 centers could handle whatever, they, and, they could not. No, they could not. 
No, and people it's, people took screenshots. Uh, yeah, and Katie, people would send me zip files with like 300 photos of like their their um, screenshots saying 911 was down or like little clips of their conversations. So um, the majority of the 911 problem was yeah Port Arthur in Lumberton in Orange. 911 wasn't down. They could not get to the victims because they could not get their ambulance to... They, they don't have high water vehicles. Okay. Okay, so, yeah, that so makes sense. People, you know, because I actually took on a call in Port Arthur, I'm not understanding why a young boy has called in multiple times that he's got elderly people that need rescue. And I finally, third time of calling, I said, let me ask you a question. Is it that EMS doesn't want to go over there or is it that EMS cannot get there? And that's where the miscommunication was. EMS was not, or sheriff's office was not responding or communicating to the fact that they're trying to get there, but they cannot. Okay. Wow. So there's a lack in communication when it comes to, you know, we're calling in a rescue to a sheriff's office or EMS from what we're getting through our ticket system. So you have to understand that as a sheriff, a deputy or anything, they kind of are skeptical because it's not the victim calling in themselves. It's a member of Cajun Navy who may be or may not be. And once you take the time to really verify yourself with them and say, look, this is who I'm, I'm legit. I know that it's hard for you to understand that, but this is the address. This is the ticket I've got. These are the notes I've taken over the last 12 hours of trying to get someone to help. Is Sorry, people are calling. Is it a, a boat issue or is it the fact that you just don't have the manpower to get out there? Right. Right. That, that's amazing because, see, I didn't know that. And, again, that didn't come out through the media in, in anything. No. Um, so, so tell me. Correct. Um, so tell me, Katie, uh, who, who makes up the, the Cajun Navy? Because you're talking about people that you're dispatching and things, but in your, I mean, who, who is this? Are, are these, you know, um, your everyday, you know, neighbors or is, or yep. is, uh, okay, maybe, and, and tell me maybe some of the, the unique folks of like, this person's a member of the Cajun Navy and you would never think it. Thank you for tuning in to the Safety Doc Podcast with the nation's leading safety expert, Dr. David Perodin, author, radio show host, university instructor, researcher, expert witness, and consultant. Powerful testimonials. Dr. Perodin has a strong reputation as the go-to safety consultant, and he was still able to exceed our expectations. When we went looking for an expert in the field of crisis preparedness and prevention, David was the single person we pursued. Not easy stepping into the touchier subjects of life, but Dr. David pulls it off. Take a listen. Now, back to Dr. David Perodin and the Safety Doc Podcast. So, um, I guess I'll start with our last, our last year's crew that stuck around and then the people that came in this year, because the people that came in to play this year that are solid core members now, you know, I've got Coast Guard now, 
Okay. I've got um, military. And the reason I can say that is I went from running flatbeds last year with supplies to running R44s and Blackhawks. (laughs) (laughs) I know that's... It's very hard to wrap your head around. Yeah, so, so that's amazing. So your interface with military, and we're talking millions of dollars of military equipment, when the Cajun Navy is not government-funded or anything like that, and they're interfacing, you're helping them connect up with, with millions of dollars of equipment, of transferring of goods and, and, and people and things like that. So, um, again, a story that just isn't told. There's a story behind one, you know, particular rescue that I, I want to make sure I cover. Um, because it works with Blackhawks and local law enforcement. But as far as, you know, our members, you've got myself, who is a single mom, a couple other, you know, and and most of the ladies, we stay behind the scenes until the water has receded. Okay. There's no need, there's no need for us to get in the boat. Um, Gary Davis, who is a core member, he is a towboat captain. All right. He knows waters like the back of his hands. Yes. Ryan Romero, who's the president and my best friend, he he's an airboat guy. So he's going to be able to get where your typical outboard motor boat yeah. can't. Okay, yeah, yeah, because they wouldn't. They would only have a few inches of draft. Yeah, okay, gotcha. And he can deploy wherever he he lands, pretty much. Um, you've got volunteer firefighters. Um, you've got law enforcement who is actually on. You know. Um, one of our guys, Nathan Rome, he's with Orleans Sheriff's Office. He's he's a key ball player. Um, I, I, if I could, if I, there's probably a core thirty to forty of us. So, so a couple things stick out right away. One is, I mean, we're talking about firefighters, we're talking about police. In, in a, so, so people are thinking. None of these these people would be involved. This is just going to be, you know, people who are. Your redneck back of the wood Cajuns. Yeah, I may. I don't. I don't want to say that, Katie. But but what you're saying, what what you're saying is exactly what the initial thought kind of comes out from somebody. I I mean, I've I've been to the to the areas, but yeah, I was thinking this this. I I don't know who these people are, and I don't know how they're pulling. So how how do these people even get together, though, Katie? I mean, is, is there is there like a regular monthly meeting no. is there some kind of uh, so how do you know like who's actually if right now like how could you put a list together of saying this is who's in my cajun navy is a chapter or what well if you know if i look at back at last year compared to this year we all formed complete strangers our first meeting was in lake charles at the civic center and david when i tell you that we had been going so long not meeting face to face, we had to recognize someone by their voice and their Zello handle. Okay, so like, kind of like shortwave radio operators, you yeah, know, if they come talk together. Talk to me stuff. because okay. I can tell you who you are. Yeah. Okay. And unfortunately, at the time, people had to return back to life. I, on the other hand, had um, you know, going through a divorce when I didn't have my children, I had to find a way to keep me busy. Okay. So. Staying active and volunteer was something to keep me grounded and keep me busy. Um, and then when Harvey rolled around, in- incredibly, the group from last year just picked up right where we left off. 
Amazing. And and running boat ops better than I have ever seen. So if you need to get a hold of people, Katie, so so this group did meet at the at the Civic Center. Otherwise, are they they're kind of doing like com- communicating by email? There's like a listserv to update. Um, no. I, I guess what what if all of a sudden, yeah, something came in, something happened, um, hypothetically like a dam or a levee collapse, all of a sudden just happens, and and now you need to respond. How do you activate those those people, or how do those people activate? Somebody's got to come across and tell Cajun Navy, and if we've got the means, like, unfortunately, we don't have the assets and the means to do Florida and Puerto Rico. Right. We're stretched so thin. Um, right now, because we're still, this year has kind of just blown up, so we're still forming, um, we've had over 7,000 plus people send requests in to volunteer. And at that time we make them sign NDAs, um, vet them run criminal background. Okay. Wow. And this wasn't, this wasn't in play last year because we didn't, this didn't blow up to what it has now. Right. Right. So going through all of that, it's a process. People have to understand that we're getting requests after requests to want to volunteer. Yes. And there are only a core group of us that are able to handle that kind of information. Okay. Um, for everyone's safety. So we're doing the best. We don't have any natural disasters. Other, I mean, Puerto Rico, yes. But to get into Puerto Rico right now is almost impossible. And yeah, I can it, yeah, say that there, first. There's something called the Jones Act, too, which limits you know any type of outside resources coming in because it's a U.S. You know, territory. Got, so, yeah. I've yeah. got generators that are going on a C-130 through military there, and that's about it. That's amazing. <laughs> now, it really is because, I, I, I mean, there's so much that has been stalled in Jacksonville because of, of again, this, this Jones Act specifically because it is a U.S. territory. So what you've accomplished is amazing. Correct. Um, so, so you say somebody becoming a member of the Cajun Navy. Um, I interviewed about a year ago. It was um, a lady who um, had a search um, and rescue dog. And she would say that uh, sometimes there might be, let's say a missing person and and her team responded. But she said there were also like people who would just hear this on the airwaves and self-dispatch and say, yeah, like I'm, I'm part of whatever. And they were actually part of nothing. (laughs) So how do, how do you, how do you work Uh with that? Because I think that that's where it comes in where people start to, um, question like is this person authentically part of the cajun navy or are they someone who just is now wanting to go through this without the vetting process so how did you run into that at all and and if so how did you navigate that so um there's multiple groups that are are doing that okay of course you know i don't want to throw anyone's name under the bus or organization but our group is the group that originated during Katrina back in 2005. Yes, yes, yep. So uh, as far as are you with the right Cajun Navy, that's your decision. We have since then had to change our name from Cajun Navy to Cajun Navy Relief. Okay. Because during the time of 
our rescue efforts last year, people were blindsiding us to, to brand that name, to grab that name as quick as they could because they knew where this was going to go. Right. So while we currently have a branding legal team on board now, okay, people will be receiving, receiving season desist. Sure. Um, we are officially purchasing the rights to the Cajun Navy name. Okay. Um, and it would be nice if that all these organizations who want to be Cajun Navy could collaborate at the end of the day with us. Right. Unfortunately, you and I think people's heart are in the right place. They're here for one thing and one thing only, but they're not. Right. And just to make it clear to anyone listening out there, it's not just Cajun Navy. I mean, people can show up saying, you know, like I'm part of a fire department from somewhere or I'm part of a a, a National Guard member or I was in whatever. So, so, so yeah, this happens throughout all agencies. Yeah. I had um, a guy, Jeff Neoball. He is from Tennessee. Okay. Jeff sent us 50 airboats to go to Port Arthur. And I ran about 35 boats of his guys that were known as bowfish guys, all outboard of moats. Yes. To me, they are members of Cajun Navy. They might not have been a core member that was involved last year, but they came forward. They got into our dispatch system. They took tickets and they did the rescues. They had the means and they, they followed through. So in what you're saying um, completely aligns with my beliefs. Again, as a researcher in, in military healthcare, um, school related emergency response, that there needs to be this level of discretion with people such as, you know, such as you in your position to say, listen, they have the resources. I'm going to do this vetting my tacit knowledge, you know, my, my gut feeling It's more than a gut feeling, but I mean, okay. is, is saying this is a legitimate organization. They have these resources they are committing, um, on, on their own to this. I mean, they have, they have vesting in this, they have experience. Um, and what you've underscored several times so far in our conversation, which, which I'm going to bring up just in, because it's been casually noted. And I want to point it out to people is, um, so many of us have tacit knowledge or we know how to respond in an emergency. And especially if we are operating with others who, for example, you know, they, they have worked with boats for all of their, their life and we can take command under them. Um, okay. You know, if anything happened in my neighborhood, I know that, you know, if a tornado hit now, thankfully at that season's I think done for us, although it's supposed to be like 85 here again next week, which is weird for uh-huh. this time in Wisconsin. Um, but, um, but yeah, if something like that happened, I mean, people would come out and, and they would kind of assemble and, and do some, some right. cursory, um, nothing to the, to the depth of, you know, this commitment of resources, but I, I, it is amazing, um, of, uh, I guess, how, how do you make sure there's not overlap, Katie? How did, how did this happen? You talked about, so what the 50, 50 boats being, being mm-hmm. volunteered. And now we're talking to this is these people aren't getting paid. I mean, they're not getting any money for this. They're putting the gas in the boats. They're taking the risk on the boats and, and the equipment, um, which again is so admirable. I mean, we talk about American spirit and the goodness of people, but you know what? Do, what do we what do we focus on? You know, or what gets focused on in in the um, in the news? And even when I was asked by one of the major news. Um, organizations to to give input to this um during hurricane harvey um 
this was not the focus at all. It was very specific on some technical aspects, which had very little to do with like what the, you know, what was really going on. I mean, I'm like, Hey, you need to, can we talk about the gauge of Navy? I don't know a lot about the gauge of Navy. Lack but of I sleep. Can, yeah. The, the lack of time that you spend with your, the family, your loved ones. It is a commit. It is, it is a love for others. Absolutely. It, it is. Absolutely. And, um, and the fact you're using discretion, and that comes up time and time again in, in military research. Uh, David Klein, it was back in the 1980s, was saying the best thing we can do in military situations which are developing, and, and this I'm not saying this is a military situation, but the research was saying let people use their professional discretion and let them use their tacit knowledge, which you're doing, your organization is doing. So you talk about tickets. Can you help people understand you're, you're taking – I guess one of the things I'm trying to understand is I know during Harvey, I, w- I was up till like probably three, four in the morning um, trying to help people. And I wasn't, you know, very effective. Which because, night? <laughs> Which night were you up then? <laughs> well, I mean, I'm down. Yeah, my studio d- doesn't have a window down here. So, yeah, it's, it's time. It's like inside of, of what the, the Cheyenne Mountain Complex. It's time. The time doesn't exist down here. The days start um, running together. But how how did you... Um, I, I guess, were you directing people how to hashtag? Were you giving some instructions on people like how to hashtag or did that just organically develop from people so, or no? Okay. Basically because we've got, and we're trying to slowly, you know, have fans follow over onto our like page because when this Cajun Navy relief group was created on Facebook, um, the original people who created it during Katrina created it, and it became a closed group. Once you hit 5,000 fans of a closed group, you can't change anything. So okay, in contact with Facebook to see if we can fix that. But what we're trying to do is divert all of those 50,000 group members into our likes page. But in the meantime, boat requests or boat rescues were sent via Facebook Messenger to us. And I'm talking three or four hundred at a time. So you say to you, they were sent through Facebook to Facebook our, or Facebook to Zello or how no, did... our messenger. So your Facebook messenger. So and so who's all on it? Because you're probably getting Katie. You're you're getting probably ten, fifteen a minute. Who's monitoring all of that? Oh, oh, me, Gary Davis, um, just a couple core, and, and Gary and I would be like, I can't keep up. Peshawn, no, I can't keep up. So. We got a ticket system, and um, this was the first because last year was a much different animal than this year. So right. we right. got the ticket system, and at the time, I did not have the time to get into it. It looked like gibberish. I, I said, "I can't deal with this right now. I'm dispatching boats." A couple, let's see, two weeks into boat rescues, we were contacted. Christopher Woolley, who is our IT director. And Lori Woods from Noggin contacts us. We have since then been donated a very large dollar amount system that the Red Cross uses. Okay. State of the art. Um, I will be able to monitor all social media accounts, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook through this system. I then can turn... then can send a dispatch ticket. So it's got a link on our website. You need a boat rescue. This is, you click right here. Okay. Cajun Navy Gotcha. Cajun, okay. 
you can submit a boat rescue, which is then going to come into our system. I no longer have to get over Zello in a private channel because we don't we don't share comms over an open channel. Right. For our guy safety and a flood victim safety. Okay. Yeah. We have a private channel that will do that, but I can now send an SMS from this noggin system to my boaters. Here's the address. Here's the number of victims. Right. This is the situation. Right. And, I can go okay. ahead. Oh, okay. And, and, and just for those listening, so an SMS basically is a text message. And right. in in right now, cellular systems um, are still are pretty robust during even the most severe storms. And the last thing to fail on a cellular system is an SMS message. So you can SMS um, during typically the most severe storms. It's it's when you take up high bandwidth, like you know audio or where you're sending video. But SMS is text, and and again, that's days. Um, and and oh. Just and the, so the kicker, the kicker to that is a very dear friend of mine, Tammy McQueen, who um, was my next door neighbor, works with Verizon. Yeah, Verizon has in turn offered Cajun Navy a one of a kind deal to where if we have to go out, we can have a balloon. And I'm not, I am IT challenged by all means. Have a balloon dropped with our guys. So when there is no cellular service in in Lumberton right. or Orange County, right, our guys with Verizon phones that they've been given to given up they've given to our guys will be able to have cell service to communicate back with us. Okay, okay, yeah, I, I I've read some of that technology um, emerging to to create these mobile hotspots during um, during disasters and. <laughs> Um, that's only going to get to be more robust. That, that's amazing. And, and the fact that, again, you know, what you just said, Verizon coming and partnering with you, a donation of equipment. Um, and people don't understand this too. Like after, after 2001, the September 11th attacks in 2001, there, there was supposed to be funding put in place. It was passed through Congress for um, an, a national communication system, which would be all fire, EMS, county, everybody communicating. Um, to, to date, that's never happened. So, um, oh, you know, these these communication systems, which we we think are there, um, like FEMA, FEMA is going to be able to come in. And um, it, it was interesting for me because where I work is close to where FEMA staged all of their Wisconsin dispatch. So they had numerous, numerous vehicles um, loaded with. I mean, you could see, I mean, loaded with water. High water with goods. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but but the thing was, like, this was well. I mean, this was like last week that they, they left. So, I mean, we're talking a couple of weeks after the disaster that they're coming down. And I, I want to set the timeline for everybody. So what was happening? And, and again, I, I mean, I have, uh, and I, I share this with, this with Katie because, um, you know, the show does have a following. So it's, it's, it's very um, convenient for me to, as I, I would say, contact agents in the field. And these would be people who follow the show from, from Texas, from Louisiana, from Florida, and so forth. And and they would send me screenshots. And one of the things that they were so frustrated about, too, was like, um, you know, call this number. No, call this number. Call this number. No, no, no. Call this number. It was coming down through, like, the state gov- government. And then all of a sudden, and, and people would say, like, I, I'm okay if I'm in my house, but, like, I'm on the move now. I don't even know what county I'm in. I don't know any of this. Like, I just need um, – so so – 
and, and the FEMA we and these systems. We need to coordinate with us. Yeah. And, and what people are used to right now, and there was a change. It was statistically proven around 2012 that people in the event of a crisis situation, um, I think it was Ball State University. I'd have to go back and look at the study, but it was right around 2012. What people are going to do in a crisis situation is they're going to go to their phone and they're going to seek out their social to, media. Yes. And actually that happened in um, 2011 in Japan. They had a, a earthquake and the Fukushima nuclear disaster. There were a lot of communication cellular systems down and so forth. And people were going um, to their to their phones and to their stored Google Maps and using those to to still navigate. And what people don't remember or people don't know um, and the Cajun Navy can 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 function too because GPS for all of us, like we have our garments or whatever, but GPS um, pings to satellites and GPS downloads to your your device, so that's there no matter what. So when you go out, um, your GPS unit is pinging to satellite, even if cellular is not available or even if it's pitch dark or something like that. So um, just to give people people a context, but. Um, so let me let me ask you let me ask you this. Um, did you did you have any friction with like fire or EMS or police saying, "Whoa, you responded to that. We just sent somebody out to that, or that's kind of our area, or we want you to notify us every time you conduct a rescue"? Or, or was was there? How did you? I know interagency. Uh, interagency things like multi-agencies that never works well people say like it does i know it doesn't for a fact it doesn't <laughs> you're, you're right so so how did you and, and was you know, was there any resentment you know a little bit too of people saying hey like the cajun navy just kind of came in and did what we're supposed to be doing as of we had department. the 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 thing that that worked for us is that we had the green light from texas governor Louisiana governor and um, Senator Mills, who I've got to give a major shout out to because I've worked with him hand in hand, spoke to the phone on the phone with him. And um, I can't believe a captain. um, He's with the state Louisiana state police. What was happening at the Texas line border is that some people in Texas were like, no, no, no. Right. Right. Got senators and state police captains that have said, "No, we've given the green light. Let these crews in." After we've already had police escort. So I did have an incident in Orange, Texas, where a PD, not sheriff or anything of that PD, and I don't mean to downgrade anything, but at a time of need, honey, step down. You are not the. I am not the person you want to mess with. Right. We won't reveal their name and completely destroy no, their won't. career. But I've got but yes, yes. I've got a I've got a a twenty to thirty crew of boaters right. that are trying to get through and you're holding them up because you're telling them they're in the same line of traffic as everybody else. No ma'am, they are not. Your local sheriff's office has already been aware of the green light. Right. That is something that me in particular I don't handle very well because I I am in relationship with law enforcement. So I have to hear her back into things as far as, well, this, this, and that. But you don't understand. We've got, in my opinion, we've got the green light from a governor and a senator. There should be no, no, um, yeah, no hold, hold. Yeah, absolutely. 
So how did you navigate that? How did how did you how did you tactfully or not tactfully or just come in and say, listen, you need to call your superiors and well, and whatever. I had a dispatcher who um, is Coast Guard. Okay. And I cannot reveal names. Right. But she pulled her Coast Guard card. Um, she made a phone call. I said what she had to say as far as wording, and our guys were through right then and there. Yeah. Wow. And it, it sucks that you have to take that and, and put, you know, her, her, her position and her occupation online because I understand all law enforcement is exhausted. All government agencies are exhausted. Right. But when you know that there are still people in need of rescue and these guys are standing there with seven, eight, ten trucks of boats. Right. They're not there for shits and giggles. Pardon right. my French. They're there because they're on a way, they're on a mission. Right. Yeah, yeah, so, absolutely. And, th- and that's where we talked about, you know, that tacit knowledge. When you talked about the uh, the 50 boats being um, 50 volunteered, th- there needs to be that, that discretion in the moment that somebody says, I can obviously see this in front of my own two eyes. I know the situation. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm going to vet this and go through and and... I've always gone, you know, back to the premise of, and I serve as an expert legal witness in, in different cases too across the country, but it really comes down to a question, and, and I reinforce this with different responders, if you're acting in the best interest of Correct. what you choose to be identify as, as either yourself or the population in that instant, the context and situation which you can never replicate, but if you're acting in the best interest, um, legal cases vindicate almost to a hundred percent, um, any situation like that. So that's where I, I brought up. Actually, um, I actually, I studied 60 legal cases that all, that all came to the same conclusion of saying, yeah, when people are, are, and that's the thing is we need to overt overtly tell people. So for people listening in this, that, that might be fire EMS County and whatever, um, is that fact that reminding people to act with discretion and best interest. And if there's a question like that, to quickly get on communication just to, to do a verification of saying, but, but yeah, the, to not be someone and, that's holding up resources. Right. Coming in. And I'll say that, you know, as far as fire goes yeah, here in Louisiana, the first fire department to actually make a call out was Livingston parish fire right. on Facebook. And I, when I saw that, I was wow. like, this is real. Their fire department went to their Facebook page and made the call out. Amazing. I still have this shot. But I think people watching what happened in Louisiana, Texas was just open arms. And, you know, not to downgrade what this deputy may or may not have been doing, because I'm sure she was exhausted. Yeah. You know, yeah, absolutely. her family, her, her, his family, they may have not been flooded. She, she or he may have not seen them in days. But when we've got most of the state of Texas, law enforcement, government officials working with us to have one person hold us up like right. a firearm in my ass when I've got 40 boats that I know can get to, a, you know, Port Arthur and Vider. Right. Yeah, absolutely. We didn't, we didn't have enough manpower. So, Katie, have you seen the movie Convoy, I think, from the 70s? I have not. All right, you have to see it. Anyway, anyway, they... Yeah. 
They uh, they they blast through a line of uh, of police trying to, I would to be keep that them girl. from delivering. So yes, you would love convoy in my shrimp boots. Make sure uh, I don't I don't even know how you can find it Netflix or whatever. But um, so I'll find it. how um, how he, so I'm thinking and so we're talking people who are volunteering. So how do you manage when you have people volunteer and then they may be like say. I can give 10 days and then I need to come back to my job and everything, but then other people interface in how do you, how do you work with people who are coming in and exiting? Because right now we're three plus weeks into Harvey, the Canaan Navy still um, boots on the ground. And, and in addition to you, I mean, people have been sending me images where, you know, they are helping, um, you know, and you've sent images, but people, you know, clean out their house and, and put, you know, their doors back on and, and just, you know, everything to get their lives starting back in order when everybody else is kind of, kind of left. When the, when he thinks it's all said and done. Yeah. So, so the, so that's another part of the Cajun Navy. I'm, I'm just giving a shout out and I usually don't do this. Um, so, you know, and, and I'm not a member of the Cajun, Cajun Navy and I, I don't have an agenda to promote here, but this is just the right thing, folks. I mean, and I want to do this very strongly because when we get two years down the road, if there are no hurricanes in 2018 and 2019, someone's going to come up with an idea. We're going to have some turnover in, you know, legislation, or we're going to have some, you know, attorneys who are going to be working with states or municipalities saying, oh, you know what, you know, maybe you could be sued if something happened, if whatever, and people do stupid things because they forget the past. And and so, like, <laughs> you know, you know the, the stupid people that have done stupid things, which there are, there are other organizations and I can't name names or specifics. Right. You can Google them and find out who them are, who they are yourselves. It, it's very aware. The FBI is into them. Wow. So when when the FBI can see an organization that is doing the right, and then you've got other people claiming to be Cajun Navy under an, another name, just added something to it. Right. Can't say specifics. We've had cases, multiple cases. We just have handed over to them. When you in turn offer a flood victim, if you do this for me, we will then do this for you. Oh, okay. I see what you're saying. No, no, no. Yeah. Quid pro quo. Of, yeah. Give us so much money or give us this or, hey, that's a that's a nice table. Can so take eventually, it? you know, government and local law, they'll see that there is only one Cajun. And that doesn't mean that other members can't come in and volunteer, but just know that there's going to be a protocol there's going to be a vetting process. There's going to be a criminal background check run. Right. So that when we've made contact with officials that we want to work hand in hand with, when we go to them for a next storm, they're not going, well, you know, we had problems with this organization saying they that y'all were them or, you know, no, we don't need that. Yeah. We want those organizations to know we worked with y'all last time. Y'all made things happen. Let's go again. So, when you were working with Harvey, um, in what capacity were you working to support the efforts in, in Hurricane Harvey? Wait, what capacity was I working at? Full speed? Like, like were, you, 
um, I mean, you were at your house, or did you did you relocate closer to? I couldn't. No, I was. I, I had like, I couldn't even go to the grocery store. Okay. Because I would have Zello on, and people would be like, "Oh, are you Cajun Navy?" And I'm like, "Nope. Mm-mm, goodbye." Wow. Because and and you hate to do that, but you then you get caught up in a a 45 minute conversation. And it's not that you, you know, I don't, I don't want to talk to these people at the grocery store, but right. at the time I'm dispatching a black Hawk or a boat. That's a, I know like when we've communicated, um, it's been tough. It, 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 yeah, because, it, and, and this is, this is an, you know, an evening recording that we're doing and we've been able to exchange some information. So to make it as efficient, because when, when this is done, you know, frankly, I know you're going back, back to, to work. Um, with this, and and I would say what you're doing right now is work that is public relations, definitely for the Cajun Navy. Um, and, and, and very important. Um, so, so let's, so with Harvey, then you're working and, and, and really focusing in on the, the hashtag Facebook message, anything through Twitter for, you know, know, people coming in. I was made aware of the power of Twitter a couple of years ago through the, my business that I run. And I just felt like there were so many misconceptions of things that took place during Harvey that I needed to start doing some damage control at night. And the last two weeks I've been able to kind of lay low in the evenings. Mm-hmm. So I just put the hashtag Cajun Navy in. Yes. That's kind of how I found you. Okay. Well, that has just taken off. And I've always said the power of social media, people have no idea about some of our crew. They just, they don't get it. I, I get it because of my, I built a business off of social media. Um, but finding someone like yourself and finding, you know, Dr. Torres from LSU, um, that's huge. Yeah, it, I, pre- it just, I appreciate the time you've made and, and everything that you've provided to me. Appreciate that, Katie. Well, and, and, you know, reaching out to you late at night like I did, of course, there's mis. I'm like, oh, my God, somebody's talking about regulating the Cajun Navy. <laughs> yeah, again. yeah. For those, I mean, this is an interesting story. So I, I posted um, a, a, a link to a story that was uh, about regulating the Cajun Navy. It was from 2016. And, and, and Katie um, made a post countering of saying, not a good idea and all of all. And, and the points behind that, very, very appropriate. Um, and then I, I, I connected up um, a follow-up message to her saying, yeah, yeah, just that my position is fully to not regulate the Navy. I'm just posting this right. article to make people aware that um, this, you know, that, that quickly got forgotten. But that was just a year ago where people were trying to do that. Right. Um, and, and I wanted to make people aware of, hey, like, make sure that you are aware that this, right. what's happening now, this is, this is, this is tremendous. This is outstanding. This is also what could have not happened if you would have, have regulated. So a couple of things. One is, one is, how do you think the media portrayed the Cajun Navy or has it evolved since the disasters? Do, I mean, what do you like about it? What don't you like? What are your members telling you? Like, oh, my goodness, I can't believe they came down and this is what they said afterwards. Or like, thank goodness they came down and like, this is totally different than what it was before. What, what's happening Well, the media, as far as outreaches, like me and you, 
Yes. Are doing the good. When you can look at a media outlet and Donald Trump has come in and met with the wrong Cajun Navy. Okay. I didn't know that. Okay. Um, it, it's, it's good and it's not good in a sense. That's why we've got a legal right. team now because of the way that things have grown. People are misinformed. Um, people are donating to the wrong group. People are donating to an LLC, not a 501c3. Yes. And, you know, I don't know, for those of you listening, I don't know if you understand the difference. A 501c3 has got to report any monetaries where they go. An LLC does not. So if you are donating to someone listed as a Cajun Navy with an LLC, you need to step away as quickly as possible. <laughs> Yeah, that really becomes a, a that you know that that's a business out for profit, and, and what you're talking about is, is a nonprofit. And also, nonprofits are held to very rigorous, very. Um, you know, reporting standards too. Correct. You know, compared to an LLC. So yeah, and, and we're kind of fighting that battle as we're finding out people. Well, I donated to this group. No, ma'am, you didn't donate to this group. Um, you know. I did probably 24 or 48 hours of damage control about the Cajun Navy being shot at. Yeah. Yeah. So did that happen? I mean, was your experience? No. People okay. So yeah, I mean, so right there, that story made it around the net several times. Yeah, people were shooting at, at the Cajun Navy as they were coming in with boats to try to, to rescue. Yeah. I, I heard it's it. Organization that is not affiliated with us. Um, okay. So I did have to spend, time away from my guys in boats to do damage control which is unfortunate right. um but this is a particular group that we've had to do damage control with for the last year because listen two weeks up until harvey we were gutting homes here in ascension parish still wow and this is a year later yes so stopping no i have not stopped Thank you for tuning in to the Safety Doc Podcast with the nation's leading safety expert, Dr. David Perodin, author, radio show host, university instructor, researcher, expert witness, and consultant. Powerful testimonials. Dr. Perodin has a strong reputation as the go-to safety consultant, and he was still able to exceed our expectations. When we went looking for an expert in the field of crisis preparedness and prevention, David was the single person we pursued. Not easy stepping into the touchier subjects of life, but Dr. David pulls it off. Take a listen. Now, back to Dr. David Perodin and the Safety Doc Podcast. So this, yeah, it's amazing. I mean, what you just talked about. So you're talking about people who literally, you know, for maybe 40, 50 weeks have been putting in, you know, a couple days a week or, you know, stretches of hours when it's become available to them to help mm -hmm. people. So that, that is, that is part. And, and I've said it again, I might say it several times throughout here, but I want to underscore this is there are you know, we, we talk about agencies and I just know this with, with the Red Cross, this isn't a negative or a positive for the Red Cross. The Red Cross is a scale 
a scalable organization, meaning the Red Cross is designed to come in, scale up rapidly, and then scale down rapidly. Um, right. And, and, you know, my experiences with, with FEMA, again, and this is from a heavy research perspective of, of coming in, for example, you know, what we, what we see then of, of um, you know, rescue supplies coming in. A lot of those are being, they're coming in, and, hey, after the Cajun Navy has already been there for like two, three weeks. FEMA has unfortunately gotten a bad rap. Okay. Because of the Red Cross. Wow. Okay. And I think that if if FEMA again, I don't, I don't know if this is possible, but FEMA distancing themselves and pulling away from the Red Cross would be in their best interest. I I was involved once um, in a community that um, uh, was was flooded, and FEMA came in and, and took over two schools. One was a high school, and one was an elementary school. And I worked for that district at the time as an administrator, mm-hmm. and I'll never forget. Um, and, and this was FEMA. This wasn't Red Cross. But when FEMA came in, um, of of opening up the facilities and putting potable water, uh-huh. and and uh, I'll I'll always remember I I was given a special ID badge so I could get in in and out. But they yeah. po- but they posted um, armed guards around the buildings, yes. and and um, the reason that they told me they said it was it wasn't so much to um, you know protect anything but it was that people come in sometimes so desperate because they've lost everything that um you know they they come in and and actually and in that experience i watched um you know fema be very professional with people and and getting down i remember one lady i was watching and she was talking about like her washer and dryer you know were were destroyed and things like that so they like wrote it down on a thing and and you know the the inventory of it was very professional, um, but yeah, it was this thing where I, I didn't expect, you know, the, the armed guards and the guards were like, no, it just people and when, you need when that. they lose their everything, they, they become desperate. They become desperate, and and they if if they do receive a challenge or even to defend anything that they might be bringing with them, um, so they said there's a big misconception there. You know, it's just put any of us in that position, like if all of a sudden. Yeah, you you had your bare possessions. And you're just trying to protect your family and things Correct. like that. And 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 again, is 100 percent right. They yeah, are. yeah. And he was and he was saying we never felt you know threatened. No one came in here and stuff. But this is why we're we're here is really to help people. Um, and we yeah. actually we've kind of operated the same um, in the same mindset as FEMA as we have set up certain distribution centers. We don't make those publicly known or supplies. Okay. okay. We don't allow anyone to just go get supplies because it puts one our guys that are boots on the ground in safety, right. and the flood victims in safety. So I mean, wow! I mean, Katie, this is amazing. This is what people don't know again. Of of how did you identify where to put a site and how to get people and how to to make sure like okay, we can give you this. But, oh, I have a feeling like you've just asked for something that's going to fill up the entire back of your extended pickup truck. And, th- you know, that right. we can't we can't do that for you. Right. OK, so. Um, so so we've learned a lot about the Cajun Navy from Katie and and stories from Cajun Navy members, which she is which she shared. Um, so I, I guess 
I'm left with uh, a question right now of regulation. Has there been any um, any of your members who have expressed concern of like, are we going to be regulated? Have they had these discussions? Do they want to do something even like self-regulate? Like say, just to protect ourselves to make sure that we don't have other people coming in, maybe we should have a registry where we all carry like a card, you know, and the technology I'm assuming is out there today where you could cross-reference um, even, I, I don't know, what is it, a QR code or something where, you know, it could be, in, and you could go a database and it could be authentic, you, you could authenticate that person in an instant, um, just so, so you know that they're, they're, they're them. I mean, um, and that's kind of what the system that we have established with through Noggin OCS. Okay, I, and I don't know what Noggin is, so it's the same system the Red Cross actually operates on. All right, all right. Um, so I'll look it up and, and I'll I'll link it out. So Noggin, okay. I'll send, you, I'll send you our link as well. Okay. So so do um, you do you see members of of do you envision that members are going to maybe like have a card or or yes. something? So then because I I, I see. The, Okay. Okay. Good. Cause yeah, cause that was one thing when people would ask me um, about this. And again, when some of the national news media would ask me, I said, you know, it's probably a good idea to identify who the people are just so you know where they're at and, and you, you know, in, in any, in, in making sure when you're staging and dispatching that it makes sense because these people are coming from this location. Well, it makes more sense for travel distance to put them here than here. And, but I said, Beyond that, like, you know, then then I, I've read a lot of the stuff of, like, well, let's do where they have to go in and get their boat, like, checked out by whatever and get a sticker on the side of it. I'm like, well, that's a bad idea. Don't do it. And then the other part is, um, like, let's do a mandatory training, like uh, 15 or 20 hours, and they'd have to go through instant command. And I'm like, well, instant command is useless in all of these things. And what you've just described is modern-day instant command. Katie, you are living it. You are the model and actually, I'm ser- I'm completely serious about this. When I when I write, I mean, and I get pub- you know, I'm, I get paid to write. Um, I mean, when I write, this is this is what it's about. I mean, you have you have you're right there at what is happening right now through what I would call hashtag communications and instant command system, and and we're not there yet through any of the U.S. systems because they were never properly funded. So even the best efforts like FEMA and, and when I was with um, I was watching the work of um, Governor Scott out of Florida and then also the Miami Dade gov- um, mayor who I forget but they were trying like they they did a much better job in figuring out how they would try to interface with social media but it quickly like fell apart because Failed. yeah they're, they're just they're not ready but this is where it's at and and the reality is. Um, there, there's this thing called transference dynamic, um, and and transference dynamic basically is is an argument I put forward and and had some substantial researchers behind me. But um, when back in 2000, uh, 2001, September 11, 2001, there were 500,000 people rescued from Lower Manhattan Battery Park um, in nine hours, and it was mostly tugboat captains, about 38%, and then some sightseeing and some Coast Guard, but mostly tugboat captains. And they, they did this rescue of 500,000 people in nine hours, and, and so there's been a lot written about it. Um, but, you know, no one really, I think, understood why that happened, and I came forward and said, I, I think it happened because of this thing called a transference dynamic. And people growing up, 
so they studied who were the average people rescue well they were their typical age was 40 and they were like growing up in the 70s and 80s and they were in the finance business whatever so but but i went and i looked and i did this with um some researchers uh, actually that work with the white house and and you know who who have done this for 30 40 years have been on all of the you know the the specials on you know nova and all of these types of things it was pretty pretty incredible but but i said you know I, I did this and I'm like, these are the same people that were like from 1980 to 1985, the, the, we, we launched the space shuttle. The Soviets thought the space shuttle was, was weaponized. Um, 83, there was the strategic defense initiative of star Wars. Um, there was the song Nana, 99 red balloons and 85. There was thing had, uh, I hope the Russians love their children too. Just all this. But the point of that was as all of us growing up during that time, so these people being rescued, they were taught, you fear the enemy, which is out there, and the, and the military will protect you. So if anything happens, look to the military, and the military will protect you. So as soon as they look out to the harbor and they start to see Coast Guard boats, they're thinking, this is a Navy rest. This is a military rescue, which it wasn't at all. This was a civilian rescue, right. similar right. to the Cajun Navy. Now, this only, like, it manifested for about nine hours, and then it faded. That's That's how long that system was there. And then, I mean tugboat captains volunteer time to to ferry people back and forth and things like that after afterwards and some supplies but really like the rescue was nine hours so but in 2012 and we talked about this from a research perspective things changed and people went to hashtags so if anything happens um today people aren't going to whatever and 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 just for an example and and this works today back in uh, 1995 the murrah uh building bombing in oklahoma city uh-huh. Um, so, so Katie, back in 1995, there were only 16 million people worldwide that had internet access. Worldwide. Okay, back in 1995. So today, virtually in the U.S., everybody. And across the world, um, yeah. more, more than half the world. And, and that's something when a billion people don't even have electricity. So right. the fact is, it's, it's going to be social media rescue. People have their mobile devices. They have their GPS maps through those. They're used to them. Um, this is, so this is what we have to interface with this. And that's why Zello was effective. That's why you're effective in what you're doing. This whole thing of like, they're putting out the 911 numbers. I'm like, that's not going to work. Nope. Old technology. Um, and, and, and yeah, this stuff just doesn't work. But, but the fact that you were able to scale up so fast, um, was, was, I mean, it's just flat out incredible. Um, and it's for when you have EOCs working with you, right? Emergency management working with you, right? Sheriff's office working with you. Um, that is what makes things happen. And to know that we can have EOCs and emergency management officers working with us, we should be able to have FEMA working with us, not trying to regulate us. Yeah, yeah, I I, I agree with that. I agree with that. I don't, I, again, I don't think there's any place for regulation in this. So let's say that regulation happened though. Okay. Now I'm going to throw this hypothetical out there. Um, let's say, you know, regulation passes and people have to register. They have to pay a $25 fee a, a year to be a member. And they also have to um, like have their, their boats go through some, I don't know, pseudo whatever inspection plus, by the way, you have to take a 15-hour class, and we'll offer these in conjunction with the different universities or whatever on instant command. We don't need and that. So, so what universities would, are offering things to us now. 
What would happen to the Cajun Navy if that passed as a bill? In your perspective, what would happen? We would form under something else. <laughs> okay. So you're going to do the workaround. So you're like, okay, you Bottom did that, line. but forget it because the disaster is going to happen. You're going to need us anyway. Okay. Because you know just as well as I do, David, if we're regulated to do that, it's not going to happen. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Yes. That's what, and there, there's right. going to be a bunch of Cajuns and Kunasses that are going to get together and make something happen regardless because the government is the last to respond. Yeah. Yeah. And that, and that was the point that I made. I said, well, two things will happen. One is you'll get some people who will drop out of this because they'll be like, forget this. I'm not going to go through this process. Absolutely. But if things actually came down to seeing other people in need, and, and this is, again, you're talking about people who have, have, you know, been working months ripping out drywall and helping people. They're going to be like, well, anytime soon. Yep. They're like, I'm defaulting to the best interest. I'm defaulting to what it is to be an American. What I think is right. And I'm just going to do this. And the reality is if they want to come and take me on, take me on. And if that ever happened, Katie, I fully believe that bills like that would instantly like be gone. Like they would, there would be, uh, you know, the, the, um, the state legislators or the governor would come in and say like, Oh, like this is gone. This is bad. And I don't say that to try to like, to, to encourage, you know, I, I don't want to send the wrong message with that, but I'm saying like, no, this no. is such ill-founded legislation. And the reason this happens, and, and we talked about this before, but the reason it happens again, it's not because the Cajun Navy is ineffective or that they're, they're, they're coming in and um, complicating rescues or whatever, or not competent. None of those things are factual. The only reason this comes in is it's a liability issue. It's, 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 is it, or is it because it's another way to tax people? I don't know if you gain a lot of tax. I mean, my own perspective would be, I don't know if you gain a lot of tax off of it. Um, I think it would be, um, someone, just afraid of of liability and i i'll say that after working as a school administrator for a number of year of years of some of the the crazy things that our lawyers would tell us you know or or that would would consult to the district on uh, some liability practices and i'd be like well we can't even i mean if we uh, one for example like one was i i had a lawyer tell me like every bus that you have you should have an eight on a bus with an epi pen in case a bee flies in a bus window and stings a kid and they have a reaction like you should have an aide who's trained an epi pen on every bus that goes everywhere no matter what and um i'm like well that's not practical and we never had that issue and they would cite like one court case there'd be like there was this case in connecticut where this one time and i'd be like well you could do that for anything. I'm like, like this one time at band camp. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's the same thing. People will take the one thing and they'll extrapolate it and put it out. And that's what I think happens. And, and I did read, and maybe you're more familiar with this. Were there three members? Now it's said in the article, they were affiliated with the Cajun Navy. They were electrocuted during a rescue um, because they, they came in contact with underwater power lines that were underwater. Are you familiar with that? I am. Okay. Is that, is that a factual and, and again that could happen to anybody involved i mean re, this these are rescue, th- this isn't this isn't these are very um sophisticated happen. risky situations and it could happen on the, the 9/11 rescue to like boats that captains that could happen during a tornado when volunteers are sent out and you know 
you know, a new volunteer doesn't realize that ground wires are still hot and you've got to have electrical boots on. Right. So, you know, to say whether or not that was one of our members, I know it was not because our guys, I'm going to tell you this and any government agency that wants to say, wants are you to like in others, an earthquake right now where you're at? Like do yeah, you need to are. go under, under a desk or something? No. Okay. I'm just kidding. Kate Kitty's kind of moving the, 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 um, so, so a lot of you are going to listen to this, but, but for those of you watching it, the, the camp Murrow just moved a little bit. So, and most of the members know it's Pichon. They, they, they're very well of Pichon. I get things done, but I, I get things done while I'm doing multitasking mother. Um, you can't tell me that national guard police from outside sources, red cross FEMA can know waterways and ways to maneuver better than some of these Cajuns. Yeah, absolutely. Because you're talking too so, about flat boats coming in. Um, flat so boats, you don't have rudders underneath. Buggies. Right. When, when you've got a five ton high water vehicle from the military, that can't get through and they want to jump in an airboat with you at that point, anybody is acceptable to stepping on a hot wire. Right. That's why we halt boat rescues as soon as the dark comes, as soon as dark sets in. So I can say that as far as our members go, we were not out doing rescues at that time. Yes. Just like, you know, we're hearing Cajun Navy is in Florida. Cajun Navy is not in Florida. Right. And I didn't know that. I didn't until you just said it right now. I didn't, right. I didn't know. It's cease and desist letters being sent to people claiming to be us. Okay. So that when somebody looks at the Cajun Navy and sees these people know what they're doing, those stories about the being shot at or the someone right. being electrocuted, that's, that's not the legit organization. Okay. And damage control is being done as best, you know, I can do. PR goes right right it's gonna happen but just like we learned in Louisiana there were a whole lot of things we learned in Harvey so like what 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 did you learn that a year from now you would do differently I can tell you that I never in a million years thought I would go from running flatbeds to Blackhawks and helicopters Never. And that's pretty big for this little Louisiana girl who is sitting behind a computer to say, I need somebody to get me NICU formula that was needed three days ago to 28 different drops. Oh, okay. That, that, here, we've got a helicopter and a Blackhawk. What, what? So who so who um who told you what the capacity like of a Black Hawk and the helicopters? I mean, who who gave you that information saying they can do this? Who who told you? Chaz that? Jackson, one of our dispatchers. Okay. All he right. is incredible. He's a three-time war vet. Okay. Yeah. And um, I learned that there's a difference when you are contacting a helicopter or any aircraft. You need to know the weight and the dimensions down to the s- cubic centimeters. That makes a very big difference as far as what that aircraft can hold. 
I did not know that. It makes perfect sense. Yeah. It makes perfect Um, sense. Yeah. But, you know, to, to have Cajun Army, Chris King, dear friend, he, Chris King is part of the demo work. They, you know, people don't have flood insurance. They set up, um, you know, requests for home guts and they go in. And that is one of the most rewarding things anyone can ever do is go gut a home. So you just said Cajun Army. So we have Cajun Navy. So we have Cajun Army. Are there other branch? I I mean, I've seen both hashtagged out. So are there different branches? There's three of us and we all coordinate and work together. Okay. Cajun Navy Relief. Cajun Army. Cajun Special Forces, which is Skip Coltrane. Which is what? <laughs> Kip is more of the rebuilding. Okay. So Chris, okay. Chris King and his his Cajun Army crew come in and got Kip is going to come in and rebuild. Okay. Um, because there's no way Cajun Navy as as boat rescues and supplies can continue to go forth in, in, well, right. in that kind of effort. Right. So thankfully, we're called the Cajun Nation. Okay. And um, you know. When I'm able to, I go help home gut or re- I learned how to float sheetrock. Yeah, I sheetrocked uh, my garage. If anyone wants to see photos of that, and uh, they would be <laughs> not calling me down to help at all. It's, so. it's very tough. <laughs> it's very yeah. tough. Yeah. So no, I mean, and there's pictures that that you sent of of you doing that and and others. Um. So uh, absolutely amazing. So. One of the things I'm going to have you do, Katie, is to to kind of email me the the different underneath the Cajun Nation what that looks like as it branches out into Cajun Navy, Cajun Army, and then kind of the the post event rebuild. Um, and this is what I what I think again makes the organization so incredible. And and it's almost, I mean, contacting you. I did my research beforehand on the Cajun Navy. Did somewhat. Did you Google me? I think. No, I. <laughs> I didn't Google Google you. Uh, <laughs> I don't want right. Like I don't want to know too much about my my guests. Where they're like, oh, like okay. Um, but no, I I mean I knew I, I I brought up your hashtag. I could see some of of your posts and understood you know that you had followed through. Um, and but I was but even the stuff that came up on Cajun Navy, a lot of it the media jumped on because it became kind of a popular thing that people wanted to know about. So. I, you know, and I'm trained, you know, through being an expert witness and just, you know, with my thing where I can be, oh, this is rhetoric. Like, this is just like bent for this one right. thing or, or like, this is actually like an authentic story. Um, and it's, it's telling, you know, one, one piece of, of whatever, but nothing holistic. And actually what we're talking about right now, I mean, to be honest, I've, I've, I don't think there's anything out there that matches the discussion that we've had, um, to, uh. this, to this point. And, and that is something as, People learn more. It, it, and again, you said it, and I hate to agree with it, but you said, you know, is it a bunch of Cajun quote-unquote hicks? And I'm like, oh, but like, honestly, that was my first thought. I mean, I just didn't know. And here are, you I know, mean. It, there's nothing wrong with that, though, okay. because let me tell you what. This group of backwoods Cajun kunasses is one hell of a family. Yeah, and I was I was down in Alabama, you know, and and uh, Tennessee back in March and stuff, and and I mean, I you know, people treated me great and everything. So I mean, I don't want to, I I don't want to give 
but I I didn't know, and no one was telling the story. I mean, so. But how many people do you know, David, that you can work with a year ago in some type of effort like this, and when something flies off the handle, the same group of people pull together? Yeah, I, I, I don't, I, I don't. And, and actually, and, and this is, this is important. You know, you bring this up and I talk about this, for example, when I, why I work with uh, districts and, and I was just, I had a meeting with a CEO of a company that I, I consult with. Uh, he flew into Madison from California a couple nights ago and we met and um, active shooter drills, for example, this is completely tangential to what we're kind of talking about. You know, the, the assumption that you can have an active shooter drill with fire EMS, you know, in, in police. And then a week later, there is an authentic event, like that same group responds. And I'm like, whoa, no way. Like it's an all call. It's different people. They haven't trained and stuff. Right. And, and it doesn't work. And, and actually, I don't like those models anyway of, of trying to come up with a linear script. Um, I, I've spoken a lot. So people that follow me and, and follow my research and things know, like I talk a lot about nonlinear and chaotic situations. And what what you're dealing with, Katie, in the Cajun Navy, is a situation that is chaotic. Mm-hmm. You, can, you, can, you come in when it's chaotic. Eventually, it gets to be what's called a Taurus or like the people who right now you've worked with for three weeks or, or for 30 weeks and helping getting their homes kind of built. That's a Taurus or some kind of – there's some type of normalcy, even though it's not normal, but they kind of know like right. they get up. But the Cajun Navy came in during chaos. And actually during yep. chaos, people can make really, really good decisions. And the military knows, knows this. Um, and, and that's why the fact of people, you know, when, when you come in, there, there can be an impression of, oh, my goodness, these people are going to come in and get overwhelmed and stuff like that. But no, actually, it's not. Like things get to be really clear, especially if you have the right. tacit knowledge. You, you know the boats, you know your equipment, you know yourself. And, and people, again, um, I, you're right. they, they under, I don't know if they underestimate themselves or they're just conditioned to underestimate themselves of what they, they can do as a group. But I, I guess I, I got off base a little bit, but you talked about a group, actually that group of, um, that tugboat captains. I mean, there was very little turnover in tug captains in the New York Harbor. A lot of these tug captains had, had come together. And Gary, Gary Davis is one of those. Okay. They, they, they had come together for decades and they might have you know like a day um there's there's high waves so they've had to like cross over and help other tugs you know with boats and stuff so they kind of did that um but but what you mentioned of of these groups staying together especially when they're not compensated and other things drives down to the core of of just human values a humanitarian um and and Something where I guess it's called what I would say like a deterministic quality, meaning like they're coming in saying, I know I can have a change that's going to positively impact this. Correct. No matter exactly. what anybody has said, you know, it, um, it's, it's kind of like this crazy thing of, and I, I, again, I, I, I talked about this once in a show a long time ago, but if you go to a kindergarten class and you, you ask like, Hey, who's the fastest runner in class? Like everybody puts their hand up. Like I'm gonna put my hand up over here. I was a pretty fast runner. So, still can run pretty fast, but um, you get to like fourth grade and you, you do, you do the same thing. Who's the fastest runner in, in fourth grade. And then they're like, um, Sarah is like, they know, like they, they've distinguished. People and, underestimate themselves. Too. Yeah. And I think this whole thing, like, you know, the kids Navy, it's like, who, who's able to do this rescue? And everyone's like, we can do it. 
because no one's told us we we can't do it and and they can do it they know this stuff like they have this they have the tacit skills they they can people are smart they read things and they in in the way that you know we can get communication to people and this will only get better like you talked about zello and i gave zello a shout out because it was oh, oh yeah they did an awesome job Which i've been trying to contact them on a daily okay so yeah i think i'll do a follow up with them i got a hold of um i don't know if you're familiar and i i guess i'm doing a product plug and i don't get compensated for them at all but there's this thing called um for anyone watching in the video version but this is jackery J A C. Okay. Okay. Jackery's and for those listening, Jackery is um, a power source. Basically, it's a battery, but these things are made like super tough. They sent us a ton of them. Oh, nice job, Jackery. Awesome. They awesome. They sent us a, mine's around here somewhere. It is amazing. Okay. Okay. So I so don't right, have it hooked up to my phone though, unfortunately. So so yeah, so Jackery um, yeah, is this portable power supply and it USB charges. Amazing. And now they're coming out so they can even charge drones. So this is the other part because drones actually only go for about 15, 20 minutes. And, and we need to talk about the drones. Yeah, yeah. Let, let's get to that right Almost. now because tell me your experience with commercial drone operators and, and what happened. I personally, and, and I talked to my president, Ryan Romero, about this. We didn't experience much. And there was, you know, a lot of FFA regulations. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. No fly zones at times. And the, the, the curfew being in effect um, by certain towns, I didn't particularly even get, I asked Ryan, you know, did we deal with, we, we didn't really deal with drones, but it's something that could be hugely beneficial to the Cajun Navy when I need a boat rescue done because it's an emergency to say, can you tell me if this Lumberton Bridge is down before I send a boat two hours out, which is normally a 45-minute hour, you know, because you, you have to remember, there's other roadways closed. Right. So the normal way a boat would go is not going to go. It's going to, it took, guys, six hours from Orange to Beaumont. Okay. That's, a, that's not normal. Right, right. So when I've got something else other than having to fuel up a Blackhawk or a helicopter that can tell me, no, this is shut down, this is full of water, it's huge. I just don't have the right contact yet. Okay. Okay. So, um, I mean, was anyone approaching you of saying, hey, I'm a commercial drone operator or like we are a commercial drone operator group? Ryan and I had a contest to see who could get the most drones. Okay. But we, we 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 had to stop because we had something else going on. All right. Okay. But no, we haven't. So the, so so Katie, that's interesting because I got a ton of contacts from drone operators and again it was just because I had done a show a couple of weeks prior and and that actually was one of the reasons the national media contacted me because they were they were very much interested in hearing the story of how drones could come in and do reconnaissance and uh, understand. Huge, huge. And, and it was, um, and I said, yeah, that potential, you know, that's totally, huge. totally there. Um, so this is an interface that needs to be worked out because the frustration experienced by commercial drone operators was, um, I, I mean, I felt horrible and I was trying to, to work through my connections, but it, the, again, you're right. You run into things where, um, the FAA has ultimate regulation over commercial Correct. drones. So, like, even an inch above your lawn is controlled by the FAA if you're, you're a commercial right. drone operator. 
And and what they do is they have certain areas which are no-fly zones, and typically they're they're near airports or prisons or things like that. But in these cases, they need to jump in and they need to say, "Listen, you're a commercial," and they're licensed. I mean, commercial drone operators. I mean, this is they they need to say, "Listen, come in and interface." And and here you're the one that they need to interface with. They need to interface with you because, as you said, come out and make sure that the path is clear, or yeah, if there's debris, or if there's an easier way of saying, "Hey, look at it," you know, this is. 